Hey everyone, welcome to Slides Golf Talk. So today I want to talk about diversity in the game of golf. I know you don't see a lot of diversity in the PGA um, per se. There are a few African Americans um, such as Harold Varner and Cam Champ and of course Tiger Woods. Um, but the game came a long way when you speak of diversity at my level. And what I mean by that is at the amateur level, um, you know, I play uh, golf, you know, across this nation um, on a U.S. Am tour. And I have to say that in that realm, diversity is, to me, is not a problem. However, we can't say the same for the PGA. Um, again, there's a lack of um, African-American representation on the PGA, and I would like to see a lot more. However, a lot of people don't know that African-Americans have contributed to this game. Um, and I'll start off with um, the tee. The tee that we use to tee up our golf ball was created in 1899 by George Franklin Grant. However, he didn't market his um, invention, but he was recognized in 1999 as the true inventor of the wooden golf tee that we currently use today. And we all know that we cannot start our round of golf without teeing the ball up. So I thought that would be a good uh, way to... to tee up this conversation as I stated I don't see a problem when I go to play golf on the weekends or when I'm on the am tour I see a diverse group of people whether they're african-american Asian Caucasian it doesn't matter um, I see a lot of people out there of different ethnicities um, different races different sex whether it's male or female or young or old, um, you see people from all walks of life on a golf course. And I actually think and I truly believe that a lot of things can be learned on a golf course from one another. Um, we all know that there's times when when we go on the tee and if you come as a twosome or you come as a single, they'll match you up with someone else and they just don't care who you match. They match you up with. Sometimes you get matched up with um, some good people. Sometimes you get matched up with some bad people. Um, but however, I think it's a good um, experience to interact with others and to learn from one another. So I think golf, as as, as a game, is a great sport. I, I really enjoy playing golf. I mean, everyone knows me knows that I love the game. But I also love the fact that when you're out there, whether it's a fun game or practice round or even a tournament, you learn from engaging with others. And I think that's what we need to take up more from this game is that we can learn from one another and not have to worry about, about what our political views are or our differences uh, just just enjoy the game and let the chips fall where they may and a lot of the times a lot of times I notice that even when you're a little uncomfortable about who they pair you with most of the time by the end of the round there's a level of respect for one another I'm not going to say friends because that's kind of extreme, but there's a bond there because of the game. 
that at the end of the round, you're usually shaking hands and saying, it was great playing with you. And I hope I see you on the course again, and we can do this again. And we all know that wasn't the case um, years ago. And you go back into the early 1940s, 50s, 60s, there were a lot of, uh, we have to just say what it was at that time, racism in the sport. Um, Bill Spiller was the first um, pioneer of change in the PGA um, to actually, well, he played in the, the UGA and he qualified to play in the PGA at the Richmond Open. And he was already prepared to go play. And they told him that he couldn't play because he was a black man, because he was African-American. Now, this was in 1948. 1948. There was a clause called the Caucasian Clause. And they told Bill Spiller, you couldn't play because of the Caucasian Clause. So, of course, Bill Spiller wanted to do away with this clause, so he hired himself an attorney to fight the PGA um, for not allowing him to play because of this clause. So the PGA didn't want to go through the whole hassle with the courts. So they told, they promised him that um, they would do away with the clause and allow African-Americans to play in the PGA. But they didn't hold up their end of the bargain. And instead, what they did was there were no more opens. Everything was considered invitational. And with invitationals, they were held at private courses and they can allow whomever they wanted into the field. But because of Bill Spiller's fight, um, the PGA did away with the Caucasian Clause in 1961, which cracked the door for African-Americans. So, of course, with this clause being removed, in 1961, Charlie Sifford became the first African-American to receive his PGA card. The guy loved the game. He was a great golfer. But we cannot talk about this without talking about all of the harsh treatment he endured over his years of playing. Um, he wasn't allowed to enter the clubhouse as the other players were able to. And it was a lot of humiliation. Um, I saw one interview um, that he reached in the cup um, to retrieve his ball and... It's too gross to say, but not just say there was something in the cup that shouldn't have been there. And that's the kind of humiliation Charlie Sifford endured during his time in the PGA. But however, he continued to play the game that he loved. And he won four times in the PGA. He also won twice on the Champions Tour. And he did receive... The Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama in 2014. Um, he was a, a great contributor to the game of golf. I always wondered what Charlie Sifford could have achieved if he didn't have those roadblocks in front of him. He was a really good golfer. He was a great golfer. That endured a lot in his short span in the PGA. 
but I think his span could have been longer if he didn't have those roadblocks. So I wonder how high he could have soared if he didn't have to endure all those things that he did. But however, we cannot forget the contributions of Charlie Sifford in the game of golf. His contributions opened doors for others. For example, Althea Gibson. I know that we are all familiar with her accomplishments in the world of tennis and all that she achieved in that sport. But she was also known as the first African-American female to play in the LPGA in 1963. Althea Gibson's accomplishment opened doors for others, including Renee Powell, who we all know from her father, William Powell. She was considered the second African-American to play in the LPGA. And to this day, she's still contributing a lot to the game and sparking encouragement for other African-American females and just females in general of how much they can achieve if there's something that they really want to do. I know I mentioned her father, William Powell. Can you imagine coming from war and you love the game of golf and you go to a golf course to be told that you couldn't play because of the color of your skin? That's what Renee's father, William Powell, endured. But he didn't let that discourage him. He didn't put his head down and say, man, I wish I could play on that course. This man, this man's passion for the game and his strong will that he decided that he would take the land that he has and create his own golf course. We all know that golf course today as Clearview Golf Course, which was opened in 1948 in East Canton, Ohio, or just outside of East Canton, Ohio. But in 2001, Clearview was recognized as one of the national historic places in America. Clearview is known as the first golf course, the first golf course in the United States to be built, owned, and operated by an African-American. And if you haven't had a chance, which I haven't yet, but it's definitely on my list of things to do, is to go there and get a chance to play on this course. Not just because you love the game, but because of the history that it represents. William's family, his son and his daughter, they are still to this day maintaining Clearview Golf Course. And when he created this golf course, he didn't create it just for African-Americans. He created it for whoever wanted to play the game of golf. I think that is a testament of the kind of person that William Powell was. The fact that he didn't hold a grudge, he built something and decided to share it with the world. And that is his contribution to this game of golf. And he didn't make excuses. He didn't give up. He did the next best thing. If you don't allow me, then I'll create my own. And that's what he did. In 2009, William Powell received a Distinguished Honor Award from the PGA for his contributions to the game. And in 2013, he was inducted into the PGA Hall of Fame for his contributions to the game. 
African-American contributions didn't stop there. In 1967, Lee Elders, we all know Lee Elders, the first African-American to play in the Masters. But before we get to that point, in 1967, Lee Elders loved this game so much that he saved his money to get into Q School. And he qualified ninth out of 122 golfers to receive his PGA card. As I stated, in 1975, Lee Elders was the first African-American to play at the Masters. But he didn't stop there. In 1979, Lee Elders was the first African-American to play in the Riders' Cup. So imagine that. I just told you back in 1948 how an African-American was treated and he wasn't allowed to even play in the Open. And we fast forward all the way up to 1975. Lee Elders actually playing for his country in a game that he loved. That, that's growth. We cannot deny that. But the game didn't stop there Calvin Pete who was born with a deformity in one of his arms he won 12 times on the PGA he played in two Ryder Cups between 1983 and 1985 and is known as one of the straightest hitter to ever play this game of golf and one of Calvin Pete's victories came at the Players' Champion. So I played that course. I played at Sawgrass. As you're coming up the driveway, there are banners of all the past champions that won at the Players. And when I look up, looked up and saw that banner with Calvin Pete's picture on it, I got a little choked up, and I was... So happy to see his accomplishment being recognized by the PGA. But in 1997, there was another young golfer, African-American golfer, that ended up winning the Masters, and that golfer is named Tiger Woods. He's my all-time favorite. He's one of the reasons why I play this game today, because I never thought in my lifetime that I would be playing golf. Tiger achieved a lot in this game. He's won over 106 tournaments worldwide. He's won 82 tournaments in the PGA. He's won 15 majors, not including the world championships that he won. His contribution to this game called golf cannot be measured and almost every golfer currently and in the past who played in the PGA would tell you how much they appreciate the contributions that Tiger Woods has done for this game so that was a brief rundown of well-known African-Americans that played this game at a professional level we still have younger guys coming up Harold Vaughner Cam Champ will do have their stories to tell as well. 
and I'm sure they're going to have a great story to tell by the end of their career. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is not just to talk about achievements of African-American in this sport, which are great achievements, and I'm proud of it. But just to show how things started and where we are today, and I hope that I continue to see growth and diversity in the game. I mean, we're currently seeing it through foundations and inner city youth programs. We saw African-American players chosen from the APGA this past year. We've seen the first young African-American female come in second place at the U.S. Girls Junior Finals. We've seen the first Japanese player to win a major this past year. We've seen the first Asian-American to win an Olympics. So with all of that said, I'm just saying that if given a chance, we can achieve anything. And I hope that there's more opportunities out there for everyone, not just African-Americans. I hope there's opportunity out there for everyone to do whatever they love to do without any roadblocks, without any humiliations. When I look at the data from my podcast and I see that I have listeners in Yugoslavia, India, Poland, Italy, France, the UK, of course here in America. But when I see all these listeners, I say to myself, for someone that never planned to play golf, in the early stages of my life is that we all have something in common that we love to do. That's the factor there. That's the key factor there is that we all love the same thing enough that all those people that listen to my podcast from different languages are very interested in what I have to say. And to me, that means a lot. But it also shows me that we all we all love the same things in life. So we should be able to share those things with one another. It's funny. I was born on a small farm in a small town near Charleston, South Carolina. And on this farm near the house, we dug a few holes. And we used to put these balls in the hole but we didn't call it golf as kids we just thought it was a fun thing to do so when I look back all these years later this this game that we played in the yard in South Carolina I have to say that I had a passion for golf without even knowing that I was playing a level of golf so when I did my research for this particular episode of this podcast and read about all of the things that those African-Americans that I mentioned went through and how years later they were eventually recognized for their contributions to the game. 
and seeing some of the doors that were open this past year with the APGA and allowing a few African-Americans to play on, on the major tour gives me promise that things will continue to improve for future golfers, no matter what ethnicity or financial background they come from, they'll be able to enjoy this game. I think this day and age and the time that we're currently in, everyone's put picking aside. Some people have hateful or some kind of anger or some kind of resentment towards others without getting to know the person, without getting to know, to know their story. And maybe I'm naive or maybe it's just a wish, but I just hope that we can all enjoy life together. Is that, is that asking too much for people? And I emphasize people to just enjoy life together. If you noticed, I didn't say golf together. I said life. So let's continue to grow this game together. And again, thank you for taking the time to listen to Slash Golf Talk.